Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and I am so excited to be here with you guys on another fine almost winter's day. As you know, it is our mission and passion to share with you the stories behind the products and businesses that we love, the stories of the people, of the entrepreneurs, the canapreneurs, the canna queens who are pushing this incredible industry forward, and all of the different trials and tribulations that we face along the way. It is our it is also our mission to share with you the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated empowered decisions about how you want to care for yourself the people that you love and the conditions that you may be suffering from or otherwise improve an already healthy life. If you want recommendations on where you can find the best products to deliver the results that you're looking for, check us out on medicalsecrets.com. And if you are a budding entrepreneur or somebody who is already running a business in this space and you need some added support, tools, tips, tricks, resources, or mentorship, Check us out on the emeraldcircle.com for all of the things that you could need to get on the other side of the glass ceilings or bottlenecks you're experiencing in your business right now. Today's guest is another lady boss in this incredible movement, Miss Rita Saluk, who is the owner and CEO of Yuma Way LLC and the Coffee Joint, is a seasoned entrepreneur with many years of experience in and operating businesses in a variety of fields, including 15 years in civil and software engineering, 27 years in real estate, 20 years in the home health and medical supply business, and another five years managing cannabis enterprises. Yumaway LLC through its founders processes robust and, and possesses robust experience and knowledge in the cannabis industry. It is owned and managed by co-owners um, who we will hear about throughout the um, interview today. Yumaway opened its first dispensary in 2016, grew exponentially over the next three years by opening three additional stores two cultivation facilities, and licensed cannabis social consumption establishment. Currently, Yuma Way LLC employs over 60 people. Absolutely incredible. And Rita is also the proud spokeswoman and owner for the Coffee Joint, a licensed center for marijuana consumption and education since February of 2018. She is literally pioneering what will be known as the next wave in cannabis consumption. And I'm super excited to share with you the story of this incredible lady boss, Miss Rita Saluk. Hi, Rita. How's it going? Hi. Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. My pleasure. 
I'm so excited to interview you. First of all, I've heard all about the uh, all about your coffee shop. We'll get to the cannabis businesses in a second, but the fact that you are running one of the first is the just first. like it, no, it is the first, the first in the nation and in the world actually licensed. The key is the license. There was other unlicensed. We were the first to got, get licensed. Yes, and now a few more in different. States. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Okay, so before we dive into how all of that even happened, why don't you just give us a little bit of background? Where are you from? How did you get into this industry? And what are you up to right now? Sure. So I'm from Ukraine, came here in 1990. Um, Civil engineer from Ukraine, uh, worked as a software developer and worked in done real estate for 27 years, done by flips, investments, um, home health company. And just about five years ago, with my partner, got into cannabis industry. And we opened a small uh, dispensary in Denver, and we were looking to expand. And that, at that time, the social consumption uh, legislation came out. And we were just noticing next door's availability and we opened the space and we didn't think of much. But as soon as we got the license, even before that, we got bombarded by all the news channels and everybody apparently was the first ones. And the only one in Colorado right now, because there was another one that opened and closed and opened and closed. And I think we only won at this moment. So very exciting. I think you are the only one right now. Are you currently welcoming guests to come in and consume on site? Oh, yeah. It's like a lounge, cannabis lounge, which emphasizes um, just with emphasis to um, education and research and collaboration and responsible and respectable consumption. So that's what we are. And it's very friendly space. People coming to us, some of them do not even consume. They're just coming and going on Wi-Fi and chatting with the others who consume. And you can see CEOs of the companies running conference calls from our space. And some people playing ping pong and some people playing music. And it's just cool and friendly establishment. I love it. Do you, um, so <laughs> uh, first of all, if you would have asked me five years ago if consumption lounges were even going to be a thing, I would have said, yes, absolutely, right in line with cannabis tourism. But I would have never expected, and you know, being a woman in this business, I've come against my own challenges. I would have never expected a woman to be the owner of the first ever consumption lounge in the world, let alone in Colorado, which has quickly risen to the top as the cannabis mecca. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about your journey in becoming the owner of this establishment? What were some of the challenges that you faced in trying to kick this business off? Sure. I would never think that I would own cannabis in cannabis license of any kind. Um, I'm from Ukraine and all any kind of drugs, big taboo there at that time. Now I think they got engaged in new presidents. They will reconsider the whole thing too, just as everybody else. But from where I came from, it was a big deal. And now my kids laughing and say, look at mom. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect that. Um, but in 2016, we applied for the little dispensary and little license in the city of Denver. And at that time, city of Denver, 
was very concerned about uh, more and more licenses opening and uh, over saturation, and they did decide to send us a denial letter. So we waited. Yeah, we waited for a whole year. There was a lot of people in the same boat as ours, lost a lot of money. Um, but, you know, later somebody challenged them in court and they sent us withdrawal of denial. We opened a small medical store, changed it to recreational later, um, added another license in Glendale and another license, the one in the competitive application process in Lonemont and another one in Adams County. And opening one more in Commerce City right now. And we also have a grow facility in Denver and grow actually a couple grow facilities in Denver. So we're growing right now. We're looking to different different states. We it's very exciting. It's probably the most exciting it's ever been for me. And I've been doing business and different ventures all my life here in America, but this is probably the most challenging and the most exciting. You hardly look old enough to be in any industry longer than fifth, like, you know, literally like 10 years. You look so young and you are totally beautiful. Like it's hard to believe that you have almost 60 years of professional experience, 20 years in this, 20 years in that. 20 well, years it's in parallel. It's in parallel. I'm not, I'm not 200. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say your experience would, it would suggest that you're 200 years old, but you're not. So you've been doing all of these things layered on top of the other. Yes. Do those skill sets apply to this new industry? Very much so. Just because I'm a, uh, I'm a real estate broker, we were able to get some of the good locations and the real estate part of this industry, it's a, it's a big chunk of it. So my partner is also a real estate broker. So two of us putting heads together, that helps. <laughs> Engineering helps too, because we developing some of it. So use civil engineering that I would never think I would use. Software development perfectly helps because we're using softwares everywhere and just working for corporate America for over 20 years. um, It's easier right now to set up processes, to set up files, documentations, compliance, this industry maturing. And it's, it's good to have this experience behind them. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me about your partners. They are running and managing a different part of the business than you are. Um, how Did you guys all start the business together or did they come in later? Or talk to me a little bit about how that all started. So I actually only, we actually have only one partner because my husband and our partner own uh, Yuma Way and okay. I'm a CEO of Yuma Way. Okay. And me and the same partner, on the coffee joint, so it's actually the same guy, and he has uh, he has also over fifteen years, I believe, experience in real estate, and he has a master's degree in computer science. Nice, so, all helps. Yeah, so some smart folks at the helm of Yuma Way. I mean, this is this is really remarkable. So tell me about the lounge. What can I expect as an experience? I was noticing on your website that you can consume almost anything except for smokable flour. Is that right? Right, because uh, smoking is prohibited by the Indoor Clean Act, Colorado Indoor Clean Act. And right now there's another legislation actually coming along that they will allow it because there's an exemption with it. To Colorado Indoor Clean Act, but you just have to have my computer decide to die, but I think I'll be fine. Uh, 
so uh, there is uh, there is an exemption, and you can have ventilation system, and uh, you can you can smoke right now. But the coffee joint doesn't have that, so you cannot smoke, but you can vape and you can eat edibles and you can consume by other means, just not smoking. And we were just talking about, you know, just all of the different things that the lounge offers, uh, which is really exciting. You can pretty much consume anything except for smokable flour right now. Social environments, work environments, educational environments, all lined up there. And being the first, it's kind of the cookie. It's the, it's the, um, yeah, you guys are setting the bar high. This is a very, very cool concept and very major coming up in 2020. What do you anticipate will happen um, with the lounges? I mean, I'm sure you have a pulse in the industry right now. How many uh, new lounges do you think are going to be popping up? And do you believe that it'll affect your business? Yes, we think there's going to be a big change in 2020 in Colorado specifically, because in Colorado, there's hospitality bill just got approved and moving through the state uh, legislation, uh, actually already approved in state. Uh, but 13 January 1st, will, uh, local municipalities will start approving it here and there in Colorado. And I think Denver decide to opt in already. They will confirm it in the beginning of the year. And if that will happen, people will start opening some We'll see how it's gonna go. Nobody knows. The reason we only the, the only one because it's not a, a profitable model at this point. So uh, p- that's the reason people not opening it. We still happily open for two reasons. One of them we're right next to our dispensary, so it serves as a place for our patrons to come and relax and try uh, what they just purchased and play games and collaborate with other people. Is everything else. And the second uh, reason we wanted to, since we become since we became the first ones in the industry, we wanted to speak for whatever is important to us. We wanted to make sure that we're moving this industry to a different level, and uh, that's where we start talking about uh, treating uh, cannabis, uh, using cannabis for uh, opioid addictions. And now everybody talks about it. But a year and a half ago, believe it or not, that was novelty. Now several states added it. So maybe they hurt us too. And it feels really good to be a voice of the industry. But um, when the new year comes in, they add in a few additional provisions to it. They will allow smoking and they will uh, allow, there's a license where they can, can sell cannabis. We just, right now, we just bring your own. But after January 1st, people be, will be able to sell cannabis product. And that might become more profitable model and more people will be interested in opening the establishments. So interesting. I, I, sometimes I can't believe, you know, that the provisions and regulations are set the way that they are. It leaves, I mean, you had there, I was just saying this in another interview, you have to have just a hair of crazy to get into this industry, knowing that they're the regulations are the way that they are. You can't advertise the restrictions for, you know, banking or any, any one of these things that feel totally normal as a business owner, like you should be able to promote your business. You should be able to, you know, market effectively. You should be able to have banking. There's like just simple things that feel totally normal. And yet, they're part of the biggest restrictions and challenges that any one of the industry, whether you're THC or, or not, 
you know, we're, we're facing similar industries. So in my opinion, you have to have just a hair of crazy to... I think it's more than a hair. You, you have to be crazy. Joint, <laughs> we have a sign. Uh, relax, we're all crazy here. There's no competition. Yeah. <laughs> we, we happily admit that we are pretty crazy there, which is actually, you know, answers a lot of our questions that, that Kathy Join is also, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say trying to answer, maybe trying to ask, um, what, is, what is a cannabis place in the world? Why do we need it? Uh, what's happening? Why do we need recreation? A lot of states, like I've listening to New Jersey's uh, uh, meetings uh, that people, governments held in New Jersey, and they're asking, why do we need recreational when we have medical? And we were, we're trying to answer to those questions. And the way we answer that, um, there's eight or nine, I think it's nine right now, medical conditions that, uh, that uh, allows you to prescribe cannabis in Colorado. But there's so many more that don't. And the biggest one, it's probably anxiety. Cannabis is good for anxiety, just like alcohol. And people in the end of the week need to switch, switch off. Otherwise, they will go crazy. Recently, when mental health became such a big question and big problem, people looking at it and figuring out that we need to do something about it. And we were thinking that people who we call crazy, we want to lock them up. And we recently end up to understand that it's about 90% of all of us having mental issues, if not all hundred. We're all crazy in some way. And if we need to check out in the end of the week and cannabis helps that, gosh, that's that's a big reason to be around. So I wouldn't call that there's, there's a big difference between medical and recreational, except that there's just no prescriptions. Doctor is not telling you that you need it, but you might know yourself you need it. You know, I have to be honest with you and say that I've never honestly thought about it like that. I have been in this industry a long time. I was not an advocate for recreation. I thought that it was too much, too fast. Um, You know, there was still such a significant gap in the industry around education and, you know, the consumer even understanding what to use and how to use it and when to use it and all of these different things. I was concerned that we were going to do a disservice to the industry by allowing for recreational use and still have been a huge advocate saying that, you know, if states are going to open for recreational use, that they should in fact have an education program that comes along with it, which nobody has yet. People are self educating, um, which is both good and bad, right? At least they're pursuing the information, but not all information is created equal. But the way that you just framed it right now made so much sense to me. I think you've just changed my mind. <laughs> that is set, No, that is a really, really, really good point. And I think about just my own, like, let me just think about my own life here for a second. I'm a mother of four. I have a husband yeah. who is kind of like my fifth child. Um, I have, <laughs> I have, you know, and we're constantly running this help, this household, this giant following on, on social media, multiple businesses, all of this stuff. And at times it's very, very difficult to turn my mind off or redirect my energy. And I'll, I will get anxiety and I will get 
you know, physical exhaustion and all of these different things. And I, the first thing I go towards is smoke a little joint or smoke a bowl or, you know, something of that nature. And I didn't even, for me, I thought about it as medicine, but the way that you just positioned it was like, there's no difference between recreation and, and medicine, except for the education or mentality that you approach it with. Either way, it's to aid in some sort of alleviation, right? Yeah. And the so stigma, without a prescription. Stigma is very difficult to overcome. Uh, initially, when the open social consumption establishment, I was worried to death. I was thinking that it's going to be, it's going to have a line of homeless people who would try to uh, just get there because it's, it's pretty fr- much free and they can just sit down and will never leave and it's going to be dirty. And oh my God, it's much different. We have professionals coming there. It's happy place. So it takes a little bit to get used to it, to get used to even to understand that we were brainwashed about drugs all this time, not just people in America, people in the whole world. And we're just now trying to wake up and give it another thought. And maybe just, you know, everything needs to be researched and needs to, we need to have an education and we need to consume responsibly. Of course, if you're going to try to eat two buckets of carrots, you might not feel good. <laughs> you, you know, don't, you don't need to overconsume cannabis. But coffee, if you drink two gallons of coffee, you're probably not going to feel good either. And there's why we know not to drink two gallons of coffee, but we just don't know about cannabis, how much is too much. And then um, I had another podcast with somebody a while ago when Canadian company asked about cannabis etiquette. And they were asking, what do you think? Is it makes, does it make sense if people come into lunch and they share cannabis at lunch what would you think? How it's supposed to be? Is that okay or not? And I was thinking, I said, you're just sure people sharing a glass of wine, but you have to know your audience. If you're coming to a professional meeting with the school district, you probably don't want to light up a joint. <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, have few artists around you and you decide uh, how to do psychedelic arts, then maybe cannabis would be would would be a really good fit. But you do have to have a good feel for it. And this industry is just starting. So that's why everybody looked at us in the beginning and they said, these are the first ones. If they're going to mess up, they will mess up for everybody. And if they're going to do well, then it's going to be continuation. So I'm really happy that Colorado introducing now hospitality bill that means we didn't mess up for everybody we're doing okay yeah we're doing great i think that we're that i mean i'm from california originally so i can judge my state and saying that you know california really messed it up in a lot of ways they had a huge opportunity to do things in a really unique um special way and they didn't they you know kept quite a bit of negativity and fed the stigma and you know made it this sort of weird dark thing colorado came in made a ton of improvements las vegas took it to the next level i mean every state is just improving upon the next thing but colorado has been really steadfast in consistently being um, um, a hub 
for improvement and innovation in this industry. I think it's so cool. Um, and yep. I, I actually want to give token of appreciation to all of our um, uh, MED uh, and city government. They didn't. They are putting a lot of thoughts to it. So really good. And we part of the discussions in a lot of ways. We part of the work groups, and I'm re- really happy about it. Yeah, they're just, they're such incredible folks over there and they've been working, like you said, very thoughtfully, but they've, you know, been extremely hardworking and just trying to understand, you know, from the folks who've been in this for a long time, they're just trying to understand and get a grip and they're very committed to excellence here, which I really appreciate, you know, because I think they recognize, you know, obviously the, the benefit of having the industry around, but, you know, how much notoriety they're getting across the country for the you know, foundation that they're setting here is is just fantastic. So big shout out to you guys over at the MED uh, and the yes. Department of Revenue. You. you guys have done some really great work. Thanks for that. Um, tell me a little bit, Rita, what, you know, obviously many folks are looking to you now for... Um, as an example of what to do and how to do it, what are some key pieces of advice that you could offer them while, while folks are considering getting into this industry? Maybe, you know, we're, um, they're getting ready to make that corporate to cannabis jump and they're, you know, trying to decide what their best way to come into this space is. What would be some key pieces of, of advice that you could offer them that might help shortcut, you know, their transition? Sure. Um, do not jump until you read all the regulations and you understand them thoroughly. Get good attorneys and then read again yourself. <laughs> then if everybody's confused and it's very difficult industry to figure your way in. Um, don't underestimate real estate part of it and make sure that you either understand it or you have somebody else to navigate you through that. Think of this industry as pretty mature at this point and don't cut corners. Those are really good. Those are really, really, really good perspectives. I want to ask you about the real estate right now. Um, There was a couple of major acquisitions that have happened and that want to happen. And I can't talk about them fully, but I want to talk about them fully. (laughs) So one of the largest cannabis companies in the country right now are under acquisition. And there's a huge challenge. The operators and the real estate owners, right? They're two different people, two different partners. And in order to make the sale, they have to come to an agreement. Well, the real estate guy wants to hang on to all of the assets where the operators want to just cut and run. They want to make the sale happen. Without the harmony, they can't make it happen. But the asset, like McDonald's, the asset is in the real estate. Tell me a little bit about um, why... I mean, I think I know why, but I want to hear from your perspective. Why is the real estate such a commodity? Why is that the big asset in the cannabis companies right now? Primarily because licenses granted for the locations or granted licenses granted uh, uh, so only so many licenses available for jurisdiction. So you either have some of the licenses based on jurisdictions and then it, and it's there is a saying that real estate is a local thing. Same thing happening in cannabis. Real estate is very local thing. It's in one jurisdiction, real estate wouldn't be that much matter. Just for example, um, if you have a license in jurisdictions that only three allowed for the whole city, 
and they allow you to move it anywhere. Then real estate is not a big part of it. But if you come into another jurisdiction where, for example, you can pull, you can get as many licenses as you like in jurisdiction, but nothing available. Everything already either either purchased, taken out as another license, or just not available. People not ready to lease to cannabis or distance restrictions that in some places are really crazy distance restrictions. Then you should be very thankful, thankful to your landlord for being a good and try to be a really good partner of your landlord or try to purchase uh, real estate equity yourself. Otherwise, you don't have a control over it. For those of you guys who are listening and don't understand what she just said, it was probably, it was, this is like pure golden nuggets. Okay. You could literally fill your entire bank account with the gold she just dropped right now. Having control over the real estate. This is what happens so much. And I'll share my own personal story with you um, as to why having control over your real estate or being in good partnership with your um, landlord is so important. We came into our cultivation center and had to build the whole thing out to suit, right? And that was like a half a million dollar investment for us. We came in there, we expanded 5,000 square feet, put in state-of-the-art everything, all of the things that you could ever want or need, all the bells and whistles. And when we were planting our first harvest, literally like moments after planting, we got a 90-day notice that they were had just sold the entire building and that we would have to forfeit our investment. And it was... It was probably one of the things that shook us to our core in in the whole ownership of real estate or the whole ownership of the cannabis businesses because our retail store was doing fantastic. But with at the time, we were still required to be vertically integrated and that's where the best margins were. And I mean, it was devastating for our company to have to go through those growing pains. Now, on the flip side, what, now that we're recultivating and you know re-resurrecting our licenses and coming back online, we own the real estate, we own you know the facilities, we're building out all of the infrastructure, we're doing a you know a hybrid system, so it's greenhouse and light and all those things, and we're really building it out the way that we want it to be. But this time, we own the real estate, so <laughs> so no one can kick us off. But it's, I mean, I think there's a lot of misconception that the cannabis industry is rich, so we can just afford half a million dollar losses like that. But you you really can't when you're it, time is money. Right. So when you put all this time and energy into building out real estate that somebody else owns, they're really the ones winning because they don't take on any of the liability. Regardless of whether you're growing or not, you have to pay your rent on the first. Right. And it's an incredible asset, whether or not you have a license. Would you agree? Yes. And but there is a flip side to it, too. Uh, just imagine, and I wouldn't tell the city name, but I know one or one of the cities right now in the US who announced that they're going to take competitive applications, right, in April. So people sign leases. There's non-refundable deposits. And then they said, mm, maybe June. And then they said, mm, maybe February, maybe November, and maybe next year. So somebody already paying for a year of leases without even knowing that they're going to actually get the license or not. And I can tell you another story. Uh, Maybe a little different on a different subject because it's knowing 
knowing uh, your laws in parallel of making sure that you know everything about real real estate. Um, we have a business here who was hoping to open a social consumption establishment at one point before uh, the law came in, came in. So they got a really nice building and they paid tons of money. And when the law came in, it was not be possible to have it in that specific building that nobody could, could have thought it would be. So people putting money in without actually waiting for the regulation to come is also very risky. So maneuvering between those things is quite challenging. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's difficult to it's difficult to navigate because without you know, unless you have the space, you can't apply for the license. You have to have all of the electrical engineer drawing. I mean, you have to have all of these drawings and everything to be able to submit to the state for licensing. So you're paying for space that you can't be selling out of. It's very capital intensive. Um, And I think right now, like you said, it's a mature market. In the beginning, it was an immature market. I've been in the space since 2009 here in Colorado. So back then, you know, there there were... I mean, it's always been very capital intensive, but we were also immature business owners. Now there's a very mature business owner, a lot of professional experience coming in here um, so that the challenges don't seem to be the same. But the folks who are coming in are now looking to acquire brands that are already in existence rather than building one from scratch. Um, for you, what is your guys's, do you guys see yourselves in this space for the long haul? Or do you think that, do you have a plan for an exit? What is your long-term goal with your company? I don't know if we have a long-term goal. I think uh, this industry changes rapidly and we just waking up in the morning can see where it's going to take us and taking the first door that's open and trying not to try to open closed doors, just open the ones that opens and try to see where we're going to get with it. But everything is exciting right now. And just whatever is happening in Colorado, whatever's happening in other states. It's- where, where are you guys going to be open? You said you were looking at opening in new states. Where are, you, where are we going to be able to find you? We applied. We didn't, it doesn't mean we haven't got any licenses outside of Colorado quite yet. But we applied. We applied in New Jersey. We applied in Missouri. We, we're applying in another few states. So hopefully something will come up. Yeah, so exciting. Well, I'm ex- really excited to watch and follow your journey while you guys are growing and expanding. I'd love to come and do a live broadcast from the, um, from the consumption lounge, from the coffee sure. shop. That would we'll be, be happy. so much fun. Yes. Yeah, and the dispensary too. I'd love to see how the two work in relationship with one another. There is a door between two and it's absolutely legal. Door is legal as long as you have two different licenses, two different addresses. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to come and check it out. What are some final words that you can share with our community? Any final words that you want to share? Final Oh, wait, before we do anything, you are doing some incredible philanthropic work. Um, and social contributions that I'd love for you to share with us. I was looking through um, your sites and and just through your bio and stuff, and you are doing a lot with your nonprofit initiatives. Will you will you explain a little bit more about like the research that you're contributing to and stuff? Sure, sure. So we have uh, nonprofit initiatives through the coffee joint primarily uh, in in cannabis area, and that's where we. Uh, 
spending a lot of time and money on education, educational materials, research. We're collaborating with uh, uh, university in Fort Collins uh, and other places. Just that's what we do, and then that's what the coffee joint is for. And we're going to try to continue with that. And then we just have some other philanthropical in initiatives, just helping communities and uh, just a regular donations that communities need. I love that. Is there something in particular that around the holidays people in our community could um, contribute to through your contributions or participate in through your contributions? Like, are you doing a food drive or anything of that nature? We haven't thought about it for the holidays, but it's good that you mentioned. So we will we'll definitely get back with you on that. Okay, sounds good. Um, well, I'm super excited to follow your journey. I'm definitely going to come and check out what you guys have going on over there. I, I'm local to you guys, so it'll be easy for me to pop over. And um, congratulations on all your incredible success and really pioneering. You're doing incredible work for us ladies in cannabis. Thank you for that. Thank you. I'm looking forward to meet you in person. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much. Hey guys, for those of you who are tuning in today, today's episode is just one more proof in the pudding that anything is possible. No matter where you are coming from in the world, there is a place for you to participate in this incredible, fast-moving, somewhat challenging, but extremely exciting industry. If you are a budding entrepreneur or existing business owner, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for key relationships, resources, or mentoring that you can use to get on the other side of your bottlenecks and glass ceilings. And if you are a person looking for products that you can trust to deliver the results that you're looking for, check us out on medicalsecrets.com. Rita, where can they find you if they want to see you on the internet or in person? Thecoffeejointco.com and 1130 Yuma Court. We're happy to talk to anybody. Just drop us line in the email. Let, let us know that you want to see us. We'll arrange it. We'll collaborate. We'll help each other. All right. Sounds good, guys. All of the social media handlings and websites for today's interview will be listed inside of the blog, along with show notes and highlights from our show. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thank you, Sonia. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.